Welcome to the Meditation Ward. My name is Nadia Ward. I'm really excited to bring you this podcast where I talk to interesting people who also happen to be meditators. We talk about their stories, the way they got into meditation, and any tips or tools they'd like to share with you. Each week, there's a second episode, a guided meditation that we hope you'll enjoy. If you would like to start your own meditation practice, we would love you to check out our course, Exploring Meditation, a seven-week course designed by me, Nadia. Each week, you learn new tips and tools and how to create your own personal meditation practice that works for you. Follow us at The Meditation Ward on Instagram or go to the website, themeditationward.com. Sign up for our emails and check out our courses. And now, on to the episode. Hi, everyone. We're so excited to have Tara Eschenroder on the show today. She is a certified coach and mentor and a self-published author. She's been a yoga teacher since 2009. She currently lives in Asheville, North Carolina, and spends much of her time around the country holding workshops, retreats, classes, and presenting at festivals. In the show notes, we will have links to her two incredibly beautiful meditation albums and her two books, Collecting Feathers and Landing Home. She is a living example of trusting what she knew her calling as she spreads her own wings and she approaches life with that same love that she used to approach that initial flame. She encourages each person that she comes in contact with to do the same. Thank you, Tara, for being here. Nadia, thank you for that introduction. I'm like, (laughs) you offer so much and it's really incredible that you've completed all of that. Like two books, that's a pretty big deal. Thank you so much. Right. So often we talk about the to-do list. Very rarely do we look at the have done list. So thank you for that reminder. (laughs) You're welcome. So your company is called Great Abiding Yoga. Yes. My, my small business LLC is, is Great Abiding Yoga. It started years ago with the intention to teach yoga full time. I had no idea what it was going to turn into. (laughs) Yeah. Can you tell me what that means? I love telling the story. Thank you. And thank you again, Nadia, for holding and creating this space and this platform and for all the work that you're doing. It's an honor to be here. It is a lot of work. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) As is the Dharmic path, right? Mm -hmm. So great abiding yoga came from when I, when I made the decision to spread my wings. Thank you again for that intro. <laughs> I realized, okay, this requires starting a business, which requires an LLC, which requires a name. Mm-hmm. How am I, how do I put a name to something that I care so deeply about? I don't even remember like what other possibilities were. However, the way that Great Abiding Yoga came to be my grandmother, my mom's mom, <clears throat> I called her (laughs) Fufu. That's a whole other story. Marion Atwood. Uh, She and I had a very special relationship. She raised me a good portion of the first year uh, plus of my life. Um, My parents were both working full time. And so I got to hang out with Fufu. So what started when I was a babe and uh, all throughout my childhood and adulthood Whenever she said goodbye, whether it was in a card, on the phone, or in person, she said, great abiding love. And so there was, uh, born from that was great abiding yoga. This 
connection and this expansive love that I experienced from my own blood and my own roots, how can I infuse that into the the roots of what I'm creating? So, so yeah, the it's, great abiding yoga. So with the intention of that expanding infinitely. So yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. I was reading in your bio that you grew up with a arrow and bow in your hands. What was that like? What was your childhood like? How did that happen? That's a great question. I love your questions, Nadia. Thank <laughs> Thanks. So my baseline energy level <laughs> is kind of through the roof. Bless my parents and their patients. Um, it's kind of like when you get a puppy and you're like, oh, they'll chill out when they grow up to be a dog and it never happens. That's me in human form. So and <laughs> you're I like a home. golden retriever. Yes. Yeah. My best friend calls me a human Labrador retriever. So yes, <laughs> I grew up outside and our, our family vacations were in the woods. Rarely were we in air conditioning or, you know, on the beach. So uh, when I was home, this is actually a great segue, Nadia, my, both of my parents invited me into nature outdoors um, all the time. And I gladly accepted. So when we were home, we had this cardboard box that my dad filled with like newspaper or other, I don't know. It was filled with something. I think it was more cardboard, <laughs> the upcycling in the Eschen Motor household. And, um, and he gave me his old bow and arrow from when he was in Boy Scouts. And he would take me to the store to pick out my own arrows and the color feathers that I wanted. And this was one of the many ways that he was teaching me how to focus and be still from Whoa. a very early age. So I it was it's I think it's still in the garage actually at, at their home in Richmond, Virginia. It's this yellow bow <laughs> and there was a little um leather sheath to to put all the arrows in and I would oh my gosh I loved going out there and just would shoot bows and arrows for for hours he also very much along those lines he put a fly fishing rod in my hand um in elementary school and I learned how to fly fish very young because it's it's about this much about catching a fish right <laughs> and this much about reading the water and breathing and focusing and feeling the entire connection of the rod to the string to the to the string the line <laughs> to the fly in your hand and yeah it's this very very deep awareness that brings you back to your body and the felt senses so your your brain can't be sparkling all over the place so yeah yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, that now you know the effects of the the bow and arrow and the fly fishing um, that they had with focus and breath and like a style of meditation. Did you notice then, or can you remember any difference in the way of being? That's such a good question. I don't believe that I noticed here. I'm pointing to my head. Those of you who are listening, <laughs> pointing to my brain until further on down the road where I did notice was in my body and <laughs> thinking back to when I was younger you know after being at school for hours and being told to sit still I was going cray cray <laughs> and so I would get home 
and just throw my things on the floor and I would go outside, whether that was getting on my bike, whether that was shooting a bow and arrow. And even I would practice <laughs> casting the fly rod in the front yard. My dad had this little rubber bobber, right? So I'm digressing it. I knew in my body, I knew the way that it made me feel when I was engaging in these activities that invited me to focus. What I realized, Nadia, was whether it was shooting bows and arrows, casting a fly rod, riding my bike, climbing to the very top of a tree, climbing Mm -hmm. to the very edge of a cliff (laughs) for fun, right? There is no darkness um, included in that. This is what I love to do. I couldn't be anywhere but in that moment. Because if I sparkled elsewhere, I would miss the target or I might hit a pothole or I might take a step too far, right? So all of these practices, if you will, before I realized that they were practiced, I didn't realize what was happening in my brain. I could feel it in my body and I grew up as a very anxious person and anxiety has been one of my greatest teachers and before i knew anything about what relationshiping with an emotion was i knew that when i was partaking in those things my body knew that i was present and i was safe i was embodied not in my mind yeah did that answer your question yes so you you live in Asheville now, but where did you grow up to get to have that lifestyle? I was born in Kansas City, Missouri, the Midwest. So my roots are are towards the West, Midwestern. Um, my great grandfather was actually a cattle farmer, real cowboy. And um, when I was, I think. My sister was born when I was 18 months, so very young, moved to Virginia, moved to the East Coast, and uh, always, always close to mountains, always a a car, car ride away from the mountains, Um, grew up in various parts of Virginia, Richmond, Charlottesville, went to college in Harrisonburg, and, um, and so my dad's oldest brother also has, and his wife, (laughs) my aunt and uncle have three kids as well, and they're like, almost the exact same age as myself and my three siblings. So we grew up like six brothers and sisters. We camped a lot, (laughs) starting with car camping when the youngest were, you know, too young to carry a backpack. Um, And then, yeah, when I was, I guess, in high school or so, when my brother was old enough, we started going out west and we'd carry everything on our backs for a week at a time, ration our food and um, pump our water from the mountain streams, um, went to Maine, Canada. I mean, this, my, one of my, my dad loves telling a story of, I think we went to the beach maybe like three or four times in my childhood, <laughs> less perhaps. And, uh, and, he says that one day we walked in and um and there were like bedrooms and you know a proper house and i was like dad you mean we're sleeping in beds <laughs> so that was that was the norm and it was never forced it was always invited and nature 
always has and continues to provide this space of belonging and uh, to be able to to share that with my family growing up was was truly a gift and and i i recognized that that was my normal and um and that's not a lot of people's normal so i i feel very blessed and i love the outdoors and that's not saying that you have to love the outdoors <laughs> either uh but it was it was it was like breathing growing up it was just what was there so yeah, yeah. what a lovely childhood yeah yeah it was it was i mean of course it had its struggles too right but and and i'm glad you said that another you can like look at all the artwork so i have a, a aspen leaf and a mountain right here this represents oh. my family um the nature aspect and, and uh below the surface uh, a grove of aspens they're individual on the surface and underneath they're all connected right we we are one so so yeah having that having that connection to nature throughout my childhood. Um, we've had our fair share of struggles as well. And I feel like that's always a place where when we go to nature, we just drop in and reconnect. So, yeah. Wow. What a fun start to a podcast. <laughs> you asked such wonderful questions. Yeah. Thanks. Just naturally curious. So it works out. Oh, it's such a good way to be, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I want to go now from um, your childhood into like what brought you into a meditation and yoga. And then I'm also curious how you kind of said that you discovered a little bit more about what your heart was meant to do, what your spirit was meant to do, which was in these yoga spaces. But what were you doing before when you realized that you needed something else? So I guess let's start with how meditation or yoga came into your life and like why and when. Yeah, great. Another great question. So as as I alluded to before, I feel that meditation started to come into my life before I realized that it was um, going outside uh, with with my parents and spending so much of that intentional time outdoors and learning how to communicate with listen to the trees, right? I know when a storm is coming in. Also, I didn't grow up ever taking horseback riding lessons, um, but was on a horse a good portion of my childhood. Um, my father taught me how to communicate with the horses, right? Um, can you hold on one horse. second? Sure. You can tell when a storm's coming by well, listening to trees? <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like they're like, hey, yeah. there's a storm. It's going to hit at 2.05 p.m. But it's like, the smell, I can smell it in the air. And there's a certain thing that the leaves do. It's like they change color a little bit. It's like you, I see this, like, it's like I see the underbelly of, it's so hard to explain, but I can see a certain color and texture. I've never articulated this out loud before. <laughs> yeah. And the way that they they start to to shimmer, especially out west with the aspen leaves, and they they sing and they shimmer. Uh, yeah, I can I can hear. I was actually this past weekend I organized a river river day with some friends, and I was out in Green Mountain, about a an hour away from Asheville, and and I could feel when the storm was was getting really close. Yeah. So 
Yeah. <laughs> like, like a real life superhero. Like a storm is that. coming. Back to before I interrupted you. Oh my gosh. No, thank you. I appreciate that. So, so going from, uh, we were talking about young to get, reel me back in. <laughs> we were talking about finding like why and how meditation yoga came into your life. And you were talking a yes. little bit about your thank dad. You. <laughs> thank teaching. you. Nadia. Yeah. So instead of saying I have ADHD, I just say I have a very sparkly <laughs> and it's where all the beautiful ideas are born. So I'm not, not a, yeah, I love my brain. So yeah, it was a very organic process progress. And like you alluded earlier to curiosity. Um, and I, I have a very, I call them this moment memories. Um, it's like those picture memories in your brain. Um, it was actually before we went into the woods on our backpacking trip in Maine years ago. And I was just having one of those days feeling pretty anxious and went up to my dad and, and he taught me a very basic practice of counting your breath, watching your breath. And so I went down to a rock right by the water. And um, this is stillness has also been a continued uh, part of my work. <laughs> so me being still in the middle of the day was was not a very common sight to see. So I, I wandered down to the water and um, our friends that we were staying with there, they, have a, uh, they had a Chesapeake Bay Terrier. I think that's the type of dog uh, named Tug and talking about how animals can sense energy, right? So I went down to this rock, I was breathing, counting and watching my breath, laid down on my belly and was watching the water and Tug came right up next to me, laid down and we fell asleep together. And, uh, and so yes, that experience of meditation led to falling asleep, right? And there's, and I'm, I'm not a stickler for this is the right way to meditate. There are so many different ways to meditate. So that was, I feel like, one of the first experiences where it was like, okay, here's a tool that I can apply. Um, and then, and it was just counting your breath. Mm -hmm. Yep, counting my breath. And then uh, fast forward into university. I attended James Madison University in Harrisonburg, Virginia. I was so incredibly fortunate to come across this course that was an experiment of sorts. It was a combination of biology, Eastern philosophy, positive psychology, and metacognition. And this, this course just like my mind was like, Whoa! <laughs> and my heart too. And I mean, we explored everything from mindfulness and meditation and owning your time and communication and um, uh, metacognition, right? Thinking about your thinking, Buddhism, I mean, just, whoa. So that that really sparked some curiosity. And then I was asked to teach the course, co-teach, help to teach the course for the remaining two years that I was at JMU because it resonated so deeply. I also took um, some courses in Buddhism when I was there, got very deeply interested into, into the Buddhist philosophy and, and ways of life. Uh, and I studied psychology there. And I mean, it was every professor, it was a phenomenal education. I'm so grateful. And 
um, took a lot of anthropology classes also. Um, so graduated from JMU and then came back to Richmond and I was like, now what? <laughs> what? What do I do? Um, my mom remembers me calling her, like literally walked out of the classroom in my last class at JMU and I called her and I was like, hey mom, now what? <laughs> and yeah. um, yeah. And I, I have another, I got... uh -huh. another question. Yeah, please. Um, when you were at JMU, were you able to I mean, I was just a mess in college, so I'm curious if, if you were, but also like learning all these like Buddhist philosophies and teaching, were you able to apply those things at that time? Or was mm. it just more information that you were receiving that showed up later? That's a great question. I feel that yes, yes to both of those questions. Um, I had a very different kind of college experience. That's a whole nother conversation. Um, and so I do feel that those practices really helped me, um, ground me, uh, stay within my own gravity. Uh, not all the time, right? I would definitely get unhooked from that. And I also felt like a lot of seeds were planted uh, in those days that that were under the soil and were, later would would start to root down and then and then sprout up. So yes to both of those questions. Yeah and very good questions um and yeah so i i graduated from so you did you didn't have a yoga practice at this point mm -hmm. and you no, didn't I have a like a a meditation practice that was an ongoing practice either just information and gathering yeah yeah i was exploring meditation in the class that i was telling you about we would have meditation assi assignments um but nothing i think i took like one yoga class at jmu because a friend was teaching but yeah, I, and I had <laughs> been to one yoga class before that in high school with my dad and he is such an early bird. I'm, I like getting up early, but I like to be by myself <laughs> when I'm up really early. And it was like really early in the morning and I had never experienced Ujjayi breath and like these people were breathing really loudly. I think somebody farted and I was like, okay, I love you, dad. I'm going to do this, but this is weird. <laughs> you know? And um, yeah, so again, another seed planted and and it was always an invitation it was never forced so so yeah fast forward graduated college was just like what am I doing like I just really didn't know what was next and I, I got to be in this pretty dark place and um, my mom kept inviting me again this word invitation providing invitations to join her to uh, accompany her to, to her yoga classes because she was practicing it. Now ACAC used to be Briarwood back in the day <laughs> off of uh, Robius Road in Richmond, Virginia. And um, yeah, so I, I finally went. And, and that's the beauty of a seed, right? It needs to and it gets to be a seed for as long as it needs to whether it's a practice, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a, where you're going to live, what you're going to, when you're going to start on your dharmic path, if you choose to do so, right? So it was the seed that was nurtured by so many different experiences throughout my life and something shifted. I knew that this was important. 
and another this moment memory. I had pre been practicing probably for like a month, maybe two months. And by this point, I was like looking up every teacher possible that I could practice with at, at ACAC and uh, just connecting, wanting to connect. And I had started to, to tap into Natural Awakenings magazine. Um, I don't know if it still exists there in Richmond or not. And and in the back, they have all the, the free happenings um, for um, yoga and mindfulness. And I remember coming downstairs one day at my parents' house and, and I said, Mom, I know what I have to do for the rest of my life. Wow. <laughs> I don't remember how she responded. So I knew, I knew that I had found, or not, something had found me that was bigger than me. I had no idea what it was going to look like, Nadia. No idea what it was going to look like, but I knew it was important. So that curiosity, right? Martha Beck talks a lot about that insatiable curiosity, is right? And when it keeps coming up, pay attention, pay attention. So I, I was networking, I was exploring, I was going to classes, connecting with community. Excuse me. And after you sure. said, Mom, I know what I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. You didn't say what it was. <laughs> So when you knew what it was, what did you, what did, in your head was it said out loud? Yeah, it was this, this gift, this practice, this lifestyle that of yoga. was yoga. Yeah, right. And, and I believe that at that point too, I was realizing it was so much more than just stretching your body on a mat. You know, that's why I love things like, Lululemon and the fancy schmancy things, the sparkly yoga things, because it gets you to the mat, right? Or like maybe it's like stretch, stretching your hamstrings or like wanting to get fitter, right? Whatever, whatever yeah. it is. Like yes. buying new sneakers. When I get my new, my new Brooks, it's like, well, I better go running now because I had these sneakers and I'm like re mm -hmm. rejuvenated. And, yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. So I feel like it was in that point of like, oh, this is a lot more than just like relaxing my brain, body. Whoa, <laughs> something's happening. And yeah, so that was, uh, that was not even the beginning, right? That was like, I feel like that was the little like, boop, when the little sprout pokes its head above the soil, <laughs> it's like, I'm here. Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> right? But I'm still very like, vulnerable and tender and I don't know what I'm going to become yet right and that's another beauty of a seed inside of an acorn is a freaking oak tree right like everything that is going to inform this tiny being to becoming that oak is inside of it right and and there mm -hmm. are there are points before it's a strong sturdy oak that First, it's, you can't even see it. It's below the soil. And then it's super vulnerable and tender. And so I feel like I was there at that point. I was, I was feeling so vulnerable to life, so tender. And I was so ready to grow. Yeah. And, um, and that connection, that continuing to, listen to that insatiable curiosity and showing up to as many places and spaces as I could led me to meet my teacher, Arlene Bjork, 
who I call her, she's actually, hold on, behind my computer, my guardian angel. Now, here's her, her picture. Beautiful. Actually, took that at Maymont years ago. And uh, she was introduced to me by, I call her my yoga mama, Sonia Stokely. She still practices in Richmond. And um, Arlene was otherworldly. And she was like an avatar. And uh, we connected very sweetly over photography, actually, which is another form of meditation for me. I uh, took all the photos for a book that she published before she transitioned, the vessel of blessing, um, from, from planet Earth. Um, and uh, yeah, and I remember one night we, we used to go to Ginger Thai in uh, Carytown often um, because I was on the quest for the best spring roll. She was on the quest for the best pad Thai. So uh, we were going to dinner one night, and before Arlene said, we're we're going to do our thing, and I need you to come with an open mind. I want to talk to you about something. And when Arlene said something, I was just like, oh, God, I'm about to grow. <laughs> you know, it was, I knew it was going to be something like, who? Because she, she saw that oak tree within the acorn and not just in me, right? So we went to dinner, and... And we were sitting and eating, and she basically told me that I was going to do her teacher training uh, the next go-round. And at this point, I had reached out to so many teacher trainings all over Richmond, and everyone said, nope, you can't do this yet. You have to have been practicing for at least two years. I was practicing for, like, two months, but I, like, <laughs> I knew. And so, of course, she comes up. She tells me, this is, this is your dharma. This is what you need to do. And, um, and we're going to make it happen. And I was like, no, not thinking of every excuse while I couldn't. And deep down, of course, I knew like, all right, this is it. So, um, so yeah, that was. It's like you take the one step forward and that allows the universe to take its 90%, yes. but it won't take it if you don't take your, exactly. your 10. Yeah. Yes, precisely. And it does a lot more. We just have to do a little. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So Clarissa Pinkola Estes, uh, the author of Women Who Run With Wolves. This book was a seed for quite some time and uh, it, it took root and sprouted up exactly when it needed to. And I received uh, instructions or an invitation from my mentor to read it outside and read it out loud. Ooh. So my best friend and um in Oregon, she used to live here in Nashville, and I read, well, we read to each other, she reads to me, because <laughs> she likes to read, I like to listen, and um, yeah, and then we'll talk about the chapters, so it's, oh, it's such an important piece of literature that mm -hmm. has found its way into my life, and so Clarissa speaks of doorways, and she says that the doors to the world of the wild self are few and precious, if you have a deep scar, that is a door. If you have an old, old story, that is a door. If you love the sky and the water so much, you almost cannot bear it. That is a door. If you yearn for a deeper life, a sane life, a full life, that is a door. 
And so these were all doorways that opened, just like you're saying, right? And that requires <laughs> no effort, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're so addicted to the do-do's and, and powering through and making it happen. We forget the importance of showing up and paying attention. Yeah. So I, and there's and I this huge that, piece of like fear that you have to deal with though, consistently when right? you're doing that work. Oh, like when your God. teacher said, yeah, this is what you're doing. Yeah, It's like, no, I can't. There's all these like things, but like, even for yeah. me, as I continue to do as much stuff as I do in this field, I'm always scared. <laughs> it's it's still scary. You're veering <laughs> off the sidewalk. I mean, right. Following a path of Dharma, following a Dharmic path is... Can you tell people what Dharma means if they don't know? Can you just That's have great. a quick... Yeah, <laughs> good idea. Yeah, so Dharma is what makes you feel that sense of purpose. And Dharmic work can be so many different things. It could be teaching yoga. It could be playing the guitar. It could be educating people about the outdoors, how to save planet Earth. It could be providing platforms like this to the masses to have these conversations. It could be advocating for the little guy being a lawyer, right? Like it, it could also be in a, you know, a nine to five job, right? Like yeah what or raising a child right yes it it yeah. could have nothing to do thank you for saying that nadia it could have nothing to do with this thing that we call money right so can we normalize if some if you're out in the in the wild world and somebody asks you what do you do right instead of answering that question with an answer that you might be making money for what brings you joy? How are you being? How are you occupying time when it disappears? That is your dharma. Yeah. That sense of purpose. And also, if you're not sure what that is yet, that's okay too. <laughs> you're right on time, right? A seed isn't getting pissed off at itself because it hasn't sprouted yet. You get to be a seed for as long as you need to. If you break it open before it's ready, it's going to kill everything inside. You're right on time. I really love that. You're right on time. So you were taking steps um, into this world of teaching yoga and um, studying yeah. and stepping into yes. what you new and realized was the important part of your life that you're stepping into. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that leads into your, your second question also, because at the same time, I was also still pursuing the path of shoulds and the sidewalk made by other people. And I am not saying this in a negative way because I'm grateful for every single step that I took that led me to, to right here. Um, I did go back to school to get my elementary school teaching license um, and taught preschool for 
a few years um, before that too, um, which grateful for too. I met one of my best friends within the walls or reconnected with a, a, another seed. That's another story. And uh, yeah, so I taught elementary school uh, for, um, so I was getting my license and I was, uh, it was actually really fun while I was getting my license. I was the lunch lady for the entire student body. It was a very small school in downtown Richmond. Um, I was the TA for kindergarten through second grade. I was essentially like the school counselor before we had one. And um, oh, I was just like, it was great for my level of energy. I was just all over the place all day. And um, yeah, and going to school and teaching yoga. And, um, and then once I got my teaching license um, and I was confined to a single classroom, I decided, okay, I'm just going to teach part-time and I'm going to, I'm going to teach school part-time and I'm going to teach yoga part-time. Didn't happen. <laughs> it basically was like two full-time jobs and I. And both very draining. Very, yeah. Very draining. And also the, the school where I was really needed more resources. Um, everyone there was there from a place of heart and wanting to, all the kids for, for, were from backgrounds of poverty as well. So there was a lot of sympathetic nervous system energy. And um, yeah, so the first year that I was confined to a singular classroom, I, my body started speaking to me. Um, I, I started to realize that when I was making these lesson plans about, you know, commas and um, stuff like that, not that commas are bad, yay commas, <laughs> yay punctuation, <laughs> <laughs> that I, I just, that it was not, it was this very dull, heavy feeling inside. However, when I would greet the kids after coming off of the playground of the lunchroom when they were just like their nervous systems were all over the place and I would turn off the lights and their ticket back in the classroom was a deep breath in and a deep breath out and I would keep the lights down and turn off soft music and lead them through a, a visualization and then allow the ones that fell asleep to sleep uh, other ones who wanted to draw or create, I would bring around pieces of paper and then we'd have a, a family conversation, right, about the meditation. And I heard stories from like, I was just so tired because I couldn't sleep from all the gunshots last night. And, you know, I didn't have breakfast this morning. I was just so hungry, right? It's like, God, you know, like that and being able to provide times of rest or like extra snacks instead of powering through a lesson on punctuation <laughs> right um or after the the school bell rang and uh and I would go up to the music room and move all the desks aside and lay down the little mini yoga mats and and lead the second through fifth graders through through yoga so when I realized that I, literally, Nadia, my hair was falling out of my head. I was having heart palpitations. I even went to get my heart checked at one point, like running on the treadmill with all the things hooked up to me. I had chronic stomach aches, just like I was ill. I was ill. My body was giving me clear messages. And 
I, my instincts had become injured, right? Because I was so focused on the shoulds and the sidewalk. Well, also like, you know, tapping into this mountain paths with my machete, clearing my own path, but I, I had nothing left. So I realized that I, I needed to make a decision. <clears throat> and so I left the classroom. And when I did, I promised myself that I was going to start yoga programs at schools all over Richmond. And I did all the way ranging from preschool to, to college age and was very much involved with Project Yoga Richmond um, for a number of years. And that was uh, that was one of the platforms through which I, I started quite a few programs and um, yeah, realized that I I wanted to save every single one of those kids. And if I continued to try to do so, I was going to lose myself completely. So I had to find another way that I could impact multiple and plant my own seeds within beings all over the schools and use that teaching license as a ticket in, <laughs> right? Infiltrate the system. I couldn't feed something that I didn't believe in. So, yeah, so it started, I taught at a lot of schools and I taught at many studios, gyms all over, all over Richmond. Um, taught some corporate classes for a number of years as well in downtown Richmond. And uh, it's, it's amazing how I very often go to the analogy of connecting the dots, right? It was like coming downstairs that day and saying that comment to my mom, I know what I need to do with the rest of my life and not knowing what it was going to look like connecting one dot at a time, right? So, okay, teach yoga full, well, leave the classroom teach yoga full-time, right? And what that led to was getting to teach private yoga one-on-one. -on -one. Um, it also led to connections in different parts of, of the country, right? Starting to get, I knew I wanted to travel. And I also knew that, <laughs> that starting out as a small business owner, uh, I didn't want to max out credit cards. So I was like, okay, how can I, how can I see the the country first started there and um, get paid for it. It's reciprocity, right? You're being supported and you're supporting other people. So, so yeah, that led to taking teacher trainings and workshops out to Montana and beyond and leading festivals all over the country. And, and uh, two weeks, uh, maybe I'll be there when this is released. Um, I'll be in South Africa. Right. So now leading retreats all over the world and um, life coaching was and poetry also came. These were unexpected dots that were connected through showing up and paying attention, having conversations and also receiving feedback and invitations from students because they are my greatest teachers. Yeah. Right. So, and, and that's what it is so far. And I mean, I've left out so much too, and I know it's going to continue to become, and as it continues to become, there will need to be other things that unbecome, 
You know, I no longer teach at multiple gyms and studios and schools, right? It's this constant evolution that requires going to the quiet places to listen so that I can feel what is a yes and what feels expansive for my body that is going to continue to serve others on this path. It's exciting. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's like, whoa. (laughs) It requires stepping into the unknown over and over again. Your personal meditation practice, um, what does it look like? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. It's multifaceted for sure. And it looks like a lot of different things. So in the, I am very devoted to rituals and rhythms. So in the morning, um, my phone is on do not disturb. So I can't see (laughs) anyone who has tried to reach out to me. And it begins with when I get out of bed, um, it begins with a practice that was a seed for my own practice years ago that I learned from um, Twee Merrigan, I think is her last name. She was teaching at Floyd Yoga Jam years ago. And, um, and she shared with the class that when she gets up in the morning, first thing she does, she pauses. She acknowledges she's in a body. Then she kisses her hands and she rubs them from the top of her head all the way down to the tips of her toes. (laughs) Then she touches her middle finger to the floor and then touches her third eye to ground. And that is literally 30 seconds. Still do it every morning, Nadia. That is how my devoted meditation practice began, 30 seconds, right? So for you beginners out there, it does not need to be sitting on a cushion for two hours, (laughs) right? Like, And then we can integrate it into the rest of our day. So now it's- One second. So- the first thing she does is pause. She kisses her hands. She takes her hands from her head all the way down to the floor, touches her middle fingers to the floor, and then touches between her eyes with the middle yes, fingers. Exactly. That's yes. awesome. So pause, and that's enough. Yeah. And that's enough. That's enough. I think people that's are scared enough. that what they're doing isn't enough or they can't do enough or they don't have the time for everything. Like Exactly. Yeah. Start with 30 seconds. Absolutely. That might not even take 30 whole seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I get out of bed slowly and then I put on soft music. I light a candle and then I read from the book of awakening by Mark Nepo. And I have it. I see you nodding. You're familiar. Yes. Yeah. It's somewhere in here. Here it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. A, friend gave, a friend gave it to me. There you go. There it is. Yes. Every single day. Um, I'll leave it out. And- <laughs> Take it off the shelf. Oh, it's, it's a game changer. That's so Asheville is full of magic and synchronicities and serendipities. And that book, that's another doorway. That book found me on a run one day and I was running past one of those little um, miniature libraries, you know, in the front yards. And it was literally like face out, like the cover was, was facing outward. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, because I had heard about this person and really great reflective, reflecting, (laughs) reflective uh, piece of literature. Excuse me. So then um, I have a journal 
that I take out um, after I read that reading and I say to myself internally, dear God, great spirit, what would you have me know today? And then I write. And sometimes it's a sentence. Sometimes it's multiple sentences. I got that from Liz Gilbert. I think it was an episode on We Can Do Hard Things, the Glennon Doyle and Abby and Amanda podcast. And um, and then I, I really appreciate Guided, especially in the morning. Sarah Blondin is on Insight Timer and other other platforms as well. She is my go-to when, when I need nervous system calming. So instead of waiting until I need to calm down, I start my day with her voice and my phone is still on do not disturb. Right. So like I need my device to make these things happen. So I want to make that very clear too. I'm not like tempted to, to respond. Cause I'm also like went to central Enneagram too. My work is also taking care of my own needs before I show up for other people because I love helping. (laughs) (laughs) I love being available and responding. And yeah. Um, So creating this foundation in the morning of amplified parasympathetic nervous system, which is the, the calm, right? It's not fight, flight, or freeze. It's so even before I can get to that point, creating this baseline foundation. Um, And so all of that is minimum 30 minutes in the morning. And um, it sounds like there's less like, um, just like sitting and breathing and awareness, like meditation of watching things come and go and more a little bit more active. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's how I start my days. And then sitting meditation, for me, often happens in nature. If I go out for a hike and watching the birds, watching clouds, um, it's, it's, so I love that you voice that, right? Because I am also very kinesthetic. So being, and also being in my body is part of my work being embodied. I spent a good portion of my life not being connected to my body. So hence the First thing, feeling, making contact with my own skin, right? Lighting a candle, sight, smell, sound, Sarah Blondin's voice, body, right? So yeah, my that is that is what my morning meditation practice looks like. It's not sitting quietly on a cushion. Uh, that does happen, but that's not a daily practice of mine. And in the throughout the day as well. I'll I'll infuse moments of meditation. So meditation for me also looks, sounds, and feels like playing the guitar. That is another very, you know, feeling the vibration literally on my heart, on my chest. Poetry, writing, drawing. I love going into the woods and listening. That's in receiving the downloads there for, for my writing and my pieces of literature as well. So for, for listeners out there, whether, oh, riding my bike also, holy moly, <laughs> and, and moving my body, running. These are, these are forms of meditation for me. Um, and so, so yeah, for listeners, whether you are a, an advanced practitioner 
or whether you're you're just getting started what invites you to be present and embodied going back to when we were talking about what is dharma how are you being not what are you doing how are you being how are you occupying time when it disappears and that is that is my meditation um what does time when it disappears mean it's mm. <laughs> a great question so there's a there's a term well there's two words uh kairos and chronos have you heard of these before so they're greek terms chronos is clocks and times and alarms and schedules and it's the reason we're showing up on time for this conversation right it's not a bad thing <laughs> but it's it's time as we have created as humans kairos is whether you are playing the guitar or going down rapids in a kayak on the river or hiking to the top of a mountain or sitting on a cushion or any number of things. When you eventually look at a device that tells time and you're like, whoa, no way. No, <laughs> no way that was five hours. That was legit five minutes. And it's just like, what? <laughs> or, you know, if you're, occupying space with people that you love and you're you get to this place of like i have no idea what time it is right now. like no concept no comprende that is kairos yeah okay. so it's what you do during those times how you are occupying that time i like to be really mindful of language like with the word do because it's not necessarily about doing but allowing yourself to fully occupy the experience that you're in one of the tools that you, like, I like to give any tips or tools that you might have to other meditators. Um, yeah. And then I'd like you to tell us what kind of meditation you're going to lead us in today. Um, mm -hmm. But it sounds like one of your tools is um, one, you don't have to be still. And two, you can start with 30 seconds. Yes, Nadia. Start small, like that seed, right? And, and let it evolve and grow into something that works for you and also be mindful of your intention behind the way that you choose to meditate like i i said stillness is part of my work also right right so acknowledging if i'm always choosing to partake in moving meditation if i am completely neglecting being still right? Okay. It's time to be still, right? And it doesn't, if you're still, it doesn't necessarily need to be on a cushion, right? And you can also put yourself in environments that are going to hold you accountable to this, whether it's uh, a group meditative class or a, a yin or restorative yoga class, right? Something, something like that as well. It, it, it can be sitting on top of a mountain. It can be laying in the grass in the middle of a field, right? But notice if you're not taking any time to be still either. And there's no one size fits all, right? It's going to be different for every single person. Give it your own handwriting, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If if you even write the word meditation, <laughs> every single person that writes the word meditation, it's going to look a little different. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for telling us your story and sharing so much of your wisdom with us. Oh, Nadia, thank you for your curiosity and your gentle and playful nature. I really enjoy talking with you. Thank you. Um, after this, there's a second episode of a guided meditation, and I'm curious what kind of meditation you'd like to lead us in. Yeah, that's a great question. I've been leaning into what feels appropriate for, or in alignment rather with this conversation. And, and I feel that we've really been talking about the different chapters, if you will, that have led me to this place where I am right now, this evolution, and with full acknowledgement that it's it's only going to continue. So I'd I'd love to take us on a journey of of that evolution, acknowledging all of these very important parts of ourselves and of our lives that give rise to right now and and what is to come. Great. Well, I'm really excited to get to be a part of this meditation. And I hope that you guys all stick around for the meditation. And again, thank you so much. All of your stuff will be in the show notes. Um, So check out Tara's books, check out her website, check out her um, meditation albums. She's got so much to offer, as you can tell from this and um, maybe an archery class sometime soon. (laughs) Great idea, new festival offering. Yeah. Archery and fly fishing. Whoa. Yeah, archery, fly fishing, <laughs> talking to animals, and um seeing the storm. <laughs> that could be a good book for you. See, I was literally you're seeing the storm. Book titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for this yes. honor. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll see you guys in a minute. Thank you. I'm waving like they can see it. <laughs> Bye. I'll stop recording. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you stick around for the meditation on the next episode. If you're interested in wellness coaching through a meditative lens or starting your own meditation practice with accountability, check out themeditationward.com. Give us a follow on Instagram at the Meditation Ward, and please like, review us, and share with your friends. See you soon.